If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 12. We'll be reading verses 20 through 36. The Gospel of John 12, 20 through 36. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces more grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. So Jesus answered and said, The voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that, that, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you're the Lord Almighty, the giver of life and the redeemer of your people. Mary came to know Jesus as her Savior, and she took a pound of costly perfume and anointed his, the feet of her Savior and wiped his feet with her hair. She showed us the humility that only one who loves Christ can have. Open our hearts this morning through the preaching of your word to such humility of heart. Show us our lives in your eyes and our hearts through your sacrifice. May your word fill our hearts and your actions build our character so your glory can be seen through our actions. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now this is the last sermon in our series of God's character in action. This morning, we're going to be studying honor and respect again. We will be looking at it through the book of Proverbs. So I begin with a question. What is man who has no honor? He's nothing. Absolutely nothing. It is honor and respect that make a man. Remember, Men are not in and of themselves honorable. All men have sinned. All men have fallen short of God's glory. All men deserve to be thrown into hell and to be separated from God for all of eternity. 
God, because he is a gracious and merciful God, has set forth a plan, a plan that will redeem some men and give to them honor, respect, and a place in eternity with him. Do you understand why God allowed sin to come into the world in the first place? He allowed sin to enter the world in order to make clear to man the abundance of his grace. It's only because of the grace of God you have the sinful life you enter this world with. You should be dead. You should be in hell already. But for the grace of God, you're given a time to come to repentance. You're now receiving a double blessing of God's grace. He sent Jesus Christ to live the perfect life, to die the atoning death, to win the resurrection victory for your salvation. Sin was a part of God's plan to magnify his grace among men. In the passage from John that we just read, we find some Greeks coming to Christ. What is it they want? They want a Messiah. Christ's response shows an earthly Messiah will do them absolutely no good. They must come back after his resurrection, for it is the spiritual resurrected Messiah they need. Jesus declares in verses 25 through 26, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now don't think I'm getting off here in some kind of left field with this idea of honor that we have, because here it clearly says the father will honor you. To have eternal life, you must be willing to lay down your fleshly life. He's not avoiding suicide, uh, advocating suicide, but the bearing of the old nature so that you can begin to live in the new nature. He says, when you have chosen between Christ and his gospel on the one hand and anything that is dear to you on the other, you must choose him or you will perish and remain forever separated from your God. He says, if you're ashamed of Jesus in this life at his coming, he will be ashamed of you. He makes it clear. Whoever in the midst of this evil and adulterous generation is willing to sacrifice his life for the gospel will have his life guarded so that it will blossom forth into eternal life in heaven. You are told that to serve Christ is to follow him all the way. Yes, even though it means complete self-denial and taking up the cross. My friends, it is only the way of the cross that leads to eternal life, to that eternal crown that's promised. Only the true and faithful believer will share with Christ in the glory of heaven, abiding forever in his presence. He then places the icing on the cake, if you will. He says, when you have been faithful, when you have taken up the cross, when you're following Jesus, the Father in heaven will honor you, for he honors all who honor Christ. This matter of honor and respect must begin with the honor you give to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You receive only the honor that belongs to him, for you have nothing, absolutely nothing, within yourself worthy of honor. Only when you submit when you submit and follow him, will there be any honor for you. That honor will come from heaven's bank, the bank where Jesus deposited the honor 
he earned in his perfect life, atoning death and resurrection victory. He deposited it there to be used, to be used by those who would hear and believe on him. Let's turn to Proverbs and see how we can live a life that will withdraw, that will withdraw from his account honor for our lives. First, we shall discover what in man brings God's gift of honor upon his people. Second, we shall look at the traits a believer must develop to ensure honor and respect upon their life. Please open your hearts to this message. This is an important message because it can make your life more rewarding. It can help you be a blessing to so many. Those who stop to listen and hear the wonderful good news of the work of Jesus Christ are promised a special honor upon their lives if they will believe what they have heard. The Christian religion is different from all other religions. It is a religion of the ear. It's a religion of faith. It's not a religion of the eye. It is based on what is heard, not what is seen. We are called to hear the truth. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Jewish scholars call this the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, God calling his people to stop and listen. He wants them to hear who he is. It goes on. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. This is the foundation of how we are to know God. Now, Shema is just the Hebrew word for to hear. This is a theme that runs throughout both the Old and New Testaments. In Psalm 81.4, it says, Hear, O my people, and I will warn you, if you will but listen to me, O Israel. In Proverbs 8.33, God tells his people to hear instruction and be wise. Proverbs 19.20 says, hear counsel and receive instruction. In Isaiah 28.23, we're told by the Lord to listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Christ repeatedly says, he who has an ear, let him hear. This is a very important, this is so very important to see because you cannot come to Christ as John 6, 44 says, unless the Father draws you to it. It is in hearing the word of God that you are drawn. In the Gospel of John, Christ exalts what hearing God will do. John 5, 25. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He continues in verses 28 through 30. Do not be ashamed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Only when you hear the truth of God's word, the truth embodied in Jesus Christ, can you find everlasting life? Paul says, also says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes only through hearing the word of God. In Revelation 22, 17, you're told that the spirit and the bride say, come, and all who hear will also offer this amazing invitation to others. Only those who hear will have a desire to come. Christianity. It's a religion of the ear, and that is why the word of God is so very important. 
for it is what you must hear in order to find eternal life. It's only through hearing that you can receive honor and respect. The person who receives this honor is the person who honors God in their heart. He honors God because he heard the truth and believed on it and on the one who was sent to reveal it. He heard and believed in Jesus Christ as God's only begotten Son with all of his heart. What is it that this hearing will produce in your life? Proverbs 22.4 Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Can anyone, anyone after reading this, believe that hearing and believing God can be done in vain? Wealth, honor, and life are to belong to all who hear and believe God's word. Now, you need to understand this. The wealth he's speaking of here is the promise of material wealth. But this is the Old Testament promise. And it was only a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, with Christ at its center, this doesn't mean material wealth. It means spiritual wealth. What is the cause of these things in a man's life? Humility and the fear of the Lord. Those who recognize themselves for what they are, sinners before a holy God, will possess a humble spirit. Those who see the strength, wisdom, and holiness of God will be those who will listen to his words with trembling heart. These are the ones who will possess riches of grace and glory, honors of humility and obedience, and life everlasting in his presence. In Romans 15, 4, Paul says that all that was written in the Old Testament was written for our learning. It had its purpose. It was to direct us. In, second, in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, he also says these things happened under the Old Testament were to be guides to us. God uses the idea of prosperity as a blessing to show us the real blessing of spiritual life with him. This also takes us to the point we can see that there are those who receive honor from God by their honoring him with their righteous lives. Proverbs 21, 21. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. This is not a, a treasure that's to be spent, but a treasure that's to be followed after with a perception of its true value. Here is the Christian standard expressed by Paul, Philippians 3.13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, I've heard the message. I've seen this impossible task before me. But in the message, I heard the promise. And I I seek the rewards of the promise I heard. It is through hearing the promise that a man seeks the reward. Because God has called, you work toward obedience in every area of your life. You receive life because of his perfect life and the rewards of his work on Calvary's cross. You receive prosperity not because of your work, but because of Christ's work. Honor and glory come to you through him and through him only. Honor is given you because of his acceptance before the Father in heaven. You can receive no honor because of your sin. You don't have anything to offer God. You cannot earn honor from God because you have no worth in his eyes. 
Only in Christ, only in Christ do you find worth and thus receive honor. Last, we find that a man can receive honor when he honors God with his possessions. Proverbs 14, 31. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Are not both the rich and the poor made in the image of God? Will not both stand before the Lord in, Lord in judgment without respect to person? Cannot both carry the same undying principles in their heart? Do not both come to the same end in this life, physical death? My friends, the Lord Jesus came into this world taking on voluntarily the greatest of poverty, and it is he that has put high honor on the poor. You have no ground, no ground whatsoever to look down your nose at anyone in a poor condition. Instead, you should look at them as an opportunity, an opportunity to give the blessing of God to a fellow brother. Christ has transferred to them your rights by calling them brother. The honor of Jesus Christ belongs to the man with a generous spirit who reaches out in love to another. It is this word from our Lord that should fill us with compassion for those who are less fortunate than ourselves. We are not talking only about financial things here. We must look in our own hearts and make an honest judgment about ourselves first. We see our sin. We fight hard to overcome it. Then we look around at our fellow believers and we see how they're struggling. Our calling is to reach out to them and give them comfort with love to help them. And becoming impatient with them is not helping them. It hurts. It is when you are willing to share the blessings you have received with others that honor begins to be attached to you. Your honor is not based on your works, but the honor of Christ is based on the works he prepared for you to do in his name. Let's show forth the honor of our Lord by how we reach out, by how we help others grow, by being patient with them. This is the calling on your life as a believer. Stop for a moment. Remember your Lord's dealings with you. Nothing should bring you to humility quicker. What has Jesus done for you? What has he done that you could never do for yourself? He came and lived a perfect life, something you could never do. It is only in that perfect life that you can find honor and respect. He also died the atoning death in your place because you had absolutely nothing to pay for your sins with. You were lost in sin and caught in slavery to sin. You were in bondage, a bondage you couldn't get out of. You had no honor. You had no respect. You were a slave with absolutely nothing to call your own. Therefore, you were left to your own direction, which was a flawed path. Only through the resurrection victory of Jesus Christ could you stand before the throne of God and have any honor and respect to show forth for your life. All honor and respect come to you only through Jesus Christ. We have seen that this honor and respect come not through your own works, but through the works of Jesus Christ. 
Paul makes clear your justification is by faith alone. James declares, show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I, by, by what I do. Paul makes the point, you have nothing without faith. James points out that when you have faith, there will be resulting changes in your life. Let's look at some of these changes and how they bring honor and respect. We can begin with Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. You cannot begin to have honor and respect until you gain understanding. What this means is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the first thing the wisdom of God teaches? It starts with your condition before a holy God. Now get this, Job and Isaiah, both, upon coming to to face to face with the holiness of God, what did they do? They immediately recognized their own unclean condition. Job said, behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. I shut up. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. Moses didn't argue with God about removing his sandals as he came into God's presence. The presence of God fell upon the priest at the dedication of Solomon's temple. They couldn't stand in his presence because of their sinful condition. Daniel, as the angel of the Lord approached him, fell with his face to the ground and could not move. John in Revelation saw the risen Christ and felt as though he were dead before him. The first thing you're shown as you come to God is your sinfulness. Upon seeing God's holiness and your unholy condition, your pride is melted away. Humility floods your soul. You see that salvation is far from your own work and your willingness to obey and follow God's word is strengthened. Honor and respect that comes from standing on the truth God gives about your own sinful condition is then accorded to you because of the wisdom God has bestowed on you through his son, Jesus Christ. What are we to do with this wisdom we're shown? Proverbs 4, verses 7 through 9. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in your getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor. When you embrace her, she will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver to you. Love, embrace, exalt this wisdom that saves. The scriptures tell all men the one thing they must have is reconciliation with God. How is it possible for a sinful man to find reconciliation with a holy God? How does that work? The only way is through the wisdom of God. Jesus came and died to prepare for his people the way in which they could be saved. He was the wisdom. Their salvation can come only through Christ, who is the embodiment of God's wisdom. If you believe and trust in God's wisdom, he will protect you from the curse of sin. If you will love this wisdom, he will watch over you and bring you to a life of honor and respect. Solomon says wisdom is supreme. There's nothing that is better. It's more valuable than gold or anything else. Therefore, seek it with all of your heart. Yes, even though you have to give up everything you have, your pride, your self-love, your sense of self-worth, 
Leave all of that. Leave it behind and take hold of this wisdom from God. For once you have taken hold of this wisdom and have acknowledged the greatness of God, through it, it will truly become yours. And then, then you will be exalted in honor and respect before God. You will be given a garland of salvation, a crown of glory, a place of honor and respect in eternity with Jesus Christ. The next traits that bring honor and respect into the life of a Christian are kindness and truthfulness. Verse Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. These two traits, kindness and truthfulness, you could call it love and faithfulness, it's the same thing, are the glorious perfections of God. You are to rest upon them alone for your salvation. Your salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ. With these two attributes, as you, are, as you trust in him to save you, you must also be developing these traits in your own life. We need those things in our life. You are to be molded into the image of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the God-man. He came to reveal the true character of the Father. These two attributes work in combination in your life. You're told as children of God to put on bowels of mercies. God has extended his mercy to you, so you must extend it to others. You must develop a God-like character. These two traits, kindness and truthfulness, must be the foundation upon which you build. They will be the foundation of all honor and respect you receive, both from God and man. Graciousness is a trait that brings honor and respect to Christians also. Proverbs 11:16. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. Now, men, this doesn't mean you're not to be kind, and it doesn't mean it's all right for men to gain wealth dishonestly. Let's make sure we understand that. The message, even though assigned to women here, is for men also. The Holy Spirit is God's grace expressed and ministered in this world. The Holy Spirit was sent to condemn the world of their sin, to teach, counsel, and comfort believers. From this, we get our direction concerning graciousness. You're to be honest. You're to tell others their sin. And yet, you've got to balance that with kindness by telling them how they can find forgiveness. The truly gracious person will help them grow in their newfound hope and will offer comfort when they fail. You do this for another and see how they honor and respect you for being the vessel God used to show them eternal hope. Another thing that can bring honor and respect to the believer is the avoidance of strife. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since no fool can start a, since any fool can start a quarrel. In the New Testament, Christ in laying out the Beatitudes says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What greater honor? What greater honor could be given than to be called a son of God? Those who work to bring peace rather than create confusion and strife will truly be seen as honorable men and women. Those who stand on the truth and on the truth alone are the true peacemakers. 
those who without hesitation speak the truth, for it is only the truth that can bring peace between the holy God and an unholy person. Diligence in good works is another area in which honor and respect can be found. Proverbs 11:27. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Man was created to be active. The first man was created in perfect righteousness, knowledge, and holiness. He was given the responsibility to tend the garden, raise a family, and worship God. All of these are good works for which man was created. In the fall, man lost his perfections and even his desire to search for the good. Christ Jesus was sent by God the Father into the world to restore in the people of his own choosing the will to search for the good. The believer is recreated in Christ's image and is given good works to do. They are the same good works given before the foundation of the world. Those works were labor, raise godly families, and worship. Through this, Honor and respect are given to God's people. Now, there's another attribute that goes along with the last one, and that is faithfulness and service. Proverbs 27, 18. Whoever, he, whoever keeps the fig tree will eat his fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. You want a reward from a fruit tree, what are you going to do to get it? You must give it proper care. If you do give it the proper care, it will reward you with fruit. So, if you're busy doing the work of your master, you will at the appropriate time receive a reward for your good service. I think every one of us should be longing to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus has called you into his kingdom, into his service. You're given the responsibility of being his ambassador. You're to represent him before the world. To do that, you must be very careful, very careful about your appearance before the world. I think that's something we all struggle with greatly. You must strip yourself of all self-love, all thoughts of self-worth, and show the same selfless concern for others Christ did on Calvary's cross. The promise of Scripture is sure. All who follow this path will receive a crown of honor and glory and a place of respect besides their king in eternity. The last trait with which honor and respect are accorded is responsiveness to correction. Teachableness might be a better way to describe it. Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Are you willing? Are you willing to show humility and knowledge and acknowledge your errors? Are you willing to say, I'm a sinner? Are you willing to come before God's word and say, Lord, teach me your truth? This is the only way the only way in which you can ultimately come into the presence of the Holy God. And it will only be those who come into God's presence that will have any honor and respect. The only place you can attain honor and respect is through Jesus Christ. And the only man willing to hear and obey will find Jesus Christ. I hope, I pray, 
you can begin to see only when you open your ears and hear the truth of God's word is there any honor and respect in your life. Honor and respect begin with your hearing God's word. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's the same word John says in verse 14 became flesh. All honor and respect belong to Jesus Christ. He came into this world to show you the Father to do for you everything needed to bring you into reconciliation with your God. As you grow in your love and appreciation for all God has done for you, then you also grow in honor and respect. Won't you open your ears and heart and hear his call and believe on his works? But there is no other path to reconciliation with God than through Jesus Christ and no honor and respect apart from complete trust in him. Let his love for you help you to remake yourself in his image. That is what the, this world needs, is more people to stake their hope on what Jesus Christ did for them. Hear his word of life. Commit yourself to follow him, to be what he has called you to be, a witness of his grace to all you come across. Let us pray. Oh Lord, what glory you show us. We stand in awe of all you have prepared for those who love you. You sent your only son into this world to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He prepared our salvation and continues preparing a place for us in heaven. He promises to come back and take us there to with him. There, will, there we will be bathed in his glory. Honor and respect will be the foundation of our lives with him for eternity. There are not enough words in our language to adequately thank you. So we ask you, Holy Father, to read our lips, to read our hearts, and know the depth of our appreciation for your grace in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.